Hello, and welcome to the Christwalk Church Podcast. Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? So glad that y'all are here. Happy Palm Sunday to everyone. Um, it's an exciting day to be in the house of the Lord, and I'm pumped to get to uh, share a message that the Lord's really laid on my heart for today. Um, for the past few weeks, um, not really so much a series per se, but just been talking about some things that God's kind of laid on my heart. And so a couple weeks ago, we talked about, um, we talked about digging holes and preparing the fields um, for, uh, uh, for, for what God is, is wanting to do and, and the harvest that he's wanting to bring. And then last week we talked about um, this idea of, of planting seeds, that we, we sow seeds into our life and that, that the seed we sow determines the fruit that we grow. And so today I want us to, to um, kind of bring that full circle and talk about having a heart for the harvest, having a heart for the harvest. So if you've got your Bible, you've got a smart device, um, I'd love for you to turn with me to the Gospel of John. That's in the New Testament. See, our Bibles are divided into these two big sections. Um, that first big section is the Old Testament, and the second big section is the New Testament. And then um, we have uh, the, four, the first four books of the New Testament. We call them Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we call them Gospels because Gospel means good news. And each one of those books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell the story of Jesus and how he came to uh, live on this earth, to grow up, to become a man, to die on the cross in our place, and that he arose from the dead, defeating death, hell, and the grave, and giving us the forgiveness of our sins. And that is the gospel. That is the good news that we celebrate. And so we're going to be in the gospel of John chapter 4, and we're going to read a few different sections of that chapter today, but we'll jump in with verse 1 in just a moment. So um, I got to know, how many of you have ever been at like the store? Maybe, maybe you're at Walmart, or if you're like me and my family, you're at Target. Um, you know, you're out, you're, you're out of the grocery store or something, and you see that person. You know the one I'm talking about, the one that you would um, that, that that you would seek to avoid at all costs. You know, it's that person. Like, you know, you tried to sneak into the store under the cloak of darkness, you know, like a like a ninja or something. You're just grabbing a couple things, and then all of a sudden, that person, you know who they are, they stop you in your tracks. And and right now, as I'm talking, many of you, if not all of you, you've got someone in mind. Right now, like, and I, whether or not you'd be willing to be honest about it, you've got someone in mind, that person that you would, you would hate to see if you were out in public somewhere. And uh, maybe, maybe for some of you, maybe it's like an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend or, uh, you know, maybe even an ex-husband or wife or something. Uh, maybe for some of you, it's your kids. I don't know. Y'all need help. We got prayer at the end of service today. Um, maybe, maybe for some of you, maybe it's your boss. Um, Lois, it better not be. Um, maybe, maybe it's that like that weird and kooky coworker. You know, like every office has like the Dwight Schrute, you know, kind of person. Maybe it's maybe it's that person. Um, maybe it's your in-laws. You know, no no elbow um, nudging from from any of the married couples today. I don't know. Some of you may. There's a good chance that that on someone's mind right now, in in someone's head, you're picturing my face right now. 
there's a, there's a solid chance that that is happening. And that's okay if you're picturing me. I'm a, I'm a big boy. I can handle it until after the service is over, and I'll go cry backstage. It's all good. It's all good. But, you know, sometimes when we, when we run into that person out in public, like we can't, we can't avoid it. You know, we just we turn the corner with our buggy and, and to go down an aisle, and there they are. You know, and I feel like when that happens, like that person, you know, like it's, it's super awkward and I feel like they're judging me. You know, like they're looking into my buggy and they're going like, all right, like Pop-Tarts, <laughs> blueberry, of course, Pop-Tarts, pizza rolls, Pringles, Popsicles, and Pepsi, like, you know, which I call the five major food groups. Um, you know, and they're like, what in the, when they're looking, they're like, what, what are you doing to your children, man? You know, or, or usually it's, it's always something weird. Like you've got like the, the big, like the, the big, like economy size crate of toilet paper, you know, it's like too big for the buggy. So you've just got it like sitting on top. And that's like when you run into somebody and they're like, oh, okay. You know, and like all these thoughts are going through, through their mind and, and, and they, they, and I feel judged by that. And so I, like, I want to avoid those, I want to avoid those, those interactions and everything. And, but sometimes we get lucky and we see that person like, like kind of far off and we see them before they see us. And so really quickly, like, even though the thing that we need is on the aisle that they're on, we like duck into like the automotive section, you know, we're like, oh, check out these wiper blades. Yeah. You know, some motor oil and everything. And then we, we go around the backside of sporting goods and we need like, I got to get this basketball pump and, um, you know, some soccer cleats and a tennis racket and everything. And then, and, you know, we go all the way around the perimeter of the store, you know, and we're kind of like turning corners, all looking all covert and everything just to get that thing that we need in order to avoid that person. And in, in John chapter four, Jesus and his disciples, they found themselves in, in kind of a similar situation that we might experience when we see that person out in public that we'd rather not see, that person that we'd rather not be around. It was after a time of ministry in, in Judah, which is in the southern part of Israel, that, um, that Jesus and his disciples had realized that, that word was beginning to spread and it was causing a great deal of unrest with the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. And knowing that it was not yet his time to take the Pharisees head on yet, like that was to come later that Jesus, he still had some things that were left to do. He, he decided that he was going to head north and go back to the region of Galilee and continue his ministry there. But that left them in a predicament because directly in between Judea and Galilee was the region of Samaria, and that posed a particular issue for Jesus and his disciples. And it's, it's in this passage of John chapter four that I believe Jesus reveals to us four keys to developing a heart for the harvest. Four keys to developing a heart for the harvest. And so if you're taking notes, you can go ahead and number your paper one to four. And uh, we're going to work through these together starting in verse one of John chapter four. Verse one, the Pharisees heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more followers than John, talking about John the Baptist who came before Jesus. 
Although Jesus himself did not baptize people, but his followers did. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Pharisees had heard about him, so he left Judea and went back to Galilee. I love this verse, verse 4. But on the way, he had to go through the country of Samaria. He had to go through the country of Samaria. Key number one to developing a heart for the harvest is you got to get to a new place. You got to get to a new place. In 722 BC, the Assyrians came in and attacked the northern kingdom of Israel. They overthrew it, they conquered it, and it was, it was after that time that they forced the Jews that were living in that area to intermarry with them and the Persians and other people groups. And so over the course of time, as, as these groups intermarried with one another, what happened is, is it caused the Jews living in that area to no longer be able to trace their genealogy as part of a pure bloodline. And so they soon, as they were intermarrying with these other uh, people from other nations and other regions, they soon developed their own form of worship that was contrary to the Jews. And as a result, hostility increased between the Jews and these people groups over the years until it was eventually identified as the region or the country of Samaria. And so Jesus and his disciples being Jews at the time, they were, they were just south of that region and they were needing to go north of that region to the, to the area of Galilee. And so what a lot of Jews would do is they would actually, they would go to great lengths to go around Samaria. They would never go through it. They hated these people. They hated this place so much. They wanted to avoid it at all costs. And so they would go, um, some of them would cross the river. They would go all the way across the river in order to go up and go on the, the opposite bank so that they could avoid Samaria. Or they would, they would go down the other way and, and it, would, it would take them uh, many, many miles and sometimes even days out of their journey just to escape from having to go through this particular region and to be able to avoid this land and, and to avoid its people. But if we're gonna have a heart for the harvest, we've got to be willing to go to a new place. There's gonna be some places in our community, some, 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 some people groups in our community that the Lord is going to send us to. There's gonna be some, some places that, that it's going to require us to go that, that maybe that's not where we go on a regular basis. Or maybe we've sat back and we've said, no, that place right there, that area, I'm going to avoid that at all costs. And many of us, we, we go about our day-to-day our -day and our routines and everything, and, and, we drive, and we take the routes that we go on and everything to avoid certain places because we don't want to be there. We don't want to be associated with that place. What would somebody think if they saw my car there? What would somebody think if they saw me in that part of town? What would somebody think if they saw me there, they would begin to associate me with that place, with that area? I don't want that, right? Right, like we, we get, we get that, that, kind of, that kind of feeling of, of well, that's, that place is beneath me. That area is beneath me or, or they're participating in some things that, that no, like if I go there, then it, it's, it's showing everyone else that, that I'm condoning that kind of thing and that kind of behavior. 
But if, if we're going to truly reach people for Jesus Christ in our community, it's going to require us to go to some places that are dark, to some places that are shady. It's going to require us to go to some places that are godless. And so we've got to carry God. We've got to carry the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ with us into those places. But if we're avoiding them at all costs, then that place will stay lost. So if we're going to develop a heart for the harvest, the first thing that we've got to do is we've got to go to a new place. We've got to recognize a new place. And Jesus and his disciples, they were, they were in this position, and, and Jesus recognized the most direct route is through Samaria. And the Bible says in verse 4, John writes that he had to go through Samaria. There was a divine appointment waiting on him in Samaria. And there are places in our community that you have been avoiding, that we have been avoiding all of our lives. But God is shaking and he is stirring some things and he is, he is raising up some divine appointments for his people to go into some dark places in the world around us and carry the love and the light of Jesus Christ along with us because not only do we need to go to a new place but the second key is we need to go to a new people we need to go to a new people picking up in verse 5 in Samaria Jesus came to the town called Sychar which is near the field Jacob gave to his son Joseph Jacob's well was there and Jesus was tired from his long trip. So he sat down beside the well. It was about 12 o'clock noon. When a Samaritan woman came to the well to get some water, Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. This happened while Jesus' followers were in town buying some food. Verse 9. The woman said, I'm surprised that you asked me for a drink since you are a Jewish man and I am a Samaritan woman. Jewish people are not friends with Samaritans. And Jesus said, if you only knew the free gift of God and who it is that is asking you for water, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So not only do we need to go to a new people, if we're going to have a heart for the, or a new place, if we're going to have a heart for the harvest, we've got to go to a new people. And so Jesus finds himself in an interesting position here in the town of Sychar. He, he goes and he sits by the well, and the, the rest of the disciples, they leave him and they go on into the town so that they can get food for themselves to eat. And Jesus is there by himself, and it is in the middle of the day, and this woman comes up to the well to draw water, and he initiates a conversation with her. Now, there are some, some barriers, some social taboos that, that, that are, are surrounding this situation, and Jesus breaks every single one of them. There, there are four in particular that I can identify, and the first one of those barriers is the barrier of gender. The barrier of gender. Jesus was a, a man. He was a Jewish man, and he was a Jewish rabbi, and she was a woman. And in that day and age, particularly for a Jewish rabbi, 
they would not have spoken to women in public. Even those of them that would have been married, it would have been unlikely that they would have even addressed their own wives in public during that day and age. It was something that was simply beneath them. And so Jesus initiates this conversation with this woman. And not only was, was, she, was she a woman, but, but they weren't even married. Like she was, she was a single woman. And so this would have been even further unlikely. And so the fact that this is happening and that Jesus is the one that initiated the conversation, that he stepped out first, he opened his mouth first, like jaws would have been dropping and hitting the ground that this Jewish rabbi man is talking to this woman in public. So not only is there the issue of gender, the, the barrier of gender that Jesus had to overcome and, and to break, but, but there's also the issue of race. I said it. It's a real issue. Not just today, it was an issue even back then. And it's something that we need to talk about. It's something that we need to recognize exists in the community in which we live. And it's up to us, you and I, the people of God, to do something about this in our community. And Jesus addressed this head on. It was the issue of race. Not only was she a woman, but she was a Samaritan woman. That's like even worse. Like if, if being a woman was here, being a Samaritan woman was down here. She wasn't just a woman. She was a Samaritan woman. There was, there was this racial divide that Jews and Samaritans, they were like oil and water. They simply did not mix. They did not interact. They did not socialize. And Jewish people would go out of their way to avoid Samaritans at all costs because they were prejudiced against them. There was great racism that was taking place and Jesus goes and he sits down at this well and he initiates a conversation with a woman who is also a Samaritan. It's crazy what's happening when you think about it. If you put yourself in the shoes of, of, of someone that, that is experiencing this happening in, in that day and age. So it's this gender barrier, it's this racial barrier, and the third barrier is that of lifestyle. Now we are talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in human form. He never sinned at all whatsoever. He was tempted in every way that you and I were tempted, but he never committed any sin. We are talking about God in the flesh, this Jewish rabbi man who is going and he's interacting with this woman. Not only is she a woman, but she's a Samaritan woman and she is a certain kind of Samaritan woman. It's important to know that she is at the well in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day. That's not when you go to the well. See, the women, they would go to the well in the mornings. And that's where they would gather together and, and, and they would have their small groups around the well. And they would do life together. And as they're drawing water, they're talking about their husbands and their families and their kids. And they're, they're sharing stories and, and they're just loving on each other and they're doing what women do. I don't even know what women do in, that, in those circles. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Y'all can keep it to yourself. It's okay. But women need that kind of interaction, right? And so, so in, in the morning, in the cool of the day is when the majority of the women would come and gather water from the well. But this woman wasn't welcome. 
She wasn't welcome because of the lifestyle that she had been living. Her reputation preceded her. And so she was, she was not just a woman. She was not just a Samaritan woman, but she was an outcast among her own people. She had to wait till the cool of the day was over and she would go at the hottest part of the day when no one else was around because she was an outcast because of her lifestyle, because she was a sinner. And she would go at noon instead of early in the morning. She was no longer welcome in the circles with those other women. No doubt their husbands had told them, you stay away from her. And no doubt they had communicated, you are not welcome here with us. When we are here, you need to stay away because there's some things about your life that we don't, we don't want to get it on us. We don't want to be associated with any of that stuff going on. But yet Jesus, God in the flesh, a Jewish rabbi, a man, goes up to the well and initiates a conversation with a woman who's a Samaritan and who is an outcast of her own people because of the sin that is in her life. He breaks down the barriers of gender and race and lifestyle. And then the fourth one, the fourth barrier is the barrier of religion. The barrier of religion. The Jews had absolutely zero in common with the Samaritans at all whatsoever. And over the course of time, as the, the Samaritans had existed because they had intermarried with these other people groups and they had taken on idol worship and, and various distorted forms of worship. They had erected their own temples and, and garrisons and, and created their own community and their own way of life, their, their own religion. And, and the Jews would say, we don't want any part of that. We don't want any part of that false way of living. We don't want any part of that false way of worshiping. And so they would steer clear of it at all costs. But Jesus, he inserted himself right in the middle of it. And do you know what he did? Do you know what he did? He said, will you give me a drink? He said, can I share the same water bucket that you're using? This would have been unheard of the most unlikely scenario at all whatsoever, that, that if a Jew and a Samaritan happened to be in the same circle, in the same situation, that Jew would have likely said, you know what, I'll just choose to thirst to death before I'll drink out of your cup. And Jesus says, will you do this for me? Can we share in this together? And by going to this well and initiating this conversation with this woman, Jesus transcends all of these barriers and he steps into an opportunity to minister to someone that is broken. Someone that for other people, they would have been uncomfortable for them to be around. Someone that other people would have pushed to the side. Someone who their own people overlooked and overshadowed them. And Jesus steps right into the middle of it. He gets down into the mess and he initiates a relationship with this woman. If we're gonna have a heart for the harvest, you and I are not only gonna have to go to some new places, but we're gonna have to interact and build relationships with some new people. Some people that don't look like us, maybe their skin color is different than ours is. 
Maybe they speak a different language or, or use different slang and vernacular than we use. Maybe they, they live a different lifestyle. Maybe they're not in church on a Sunday morning. Maybe they smell a little bit different than we do. Maybe they have a different belief structure than we have. Maybe they have a different sexual orientation than we have. It's clear from a mile away the baggage that they are carrying. Those are the people that we've got to go to in our community. What happens is, is and, and, and it's, it's not our fault, it's just the way that we're wired, the way that, the, the, the way that we're built is that when we walk into a room or when, when we go out into the community, what we're looking for, we're looking for people that look like us. Those are the people we want to be around, the people that look like us, the people that talk like us, the people that act like us. Those are the people that, that, it, that makes us comfortable because that lets us know that, that we're not alone. Helps us to feel better about ourselves. But where we get uncomfortable is, is when we see people that don't look like us. They don't act like us. They don't think like us. And I'm not too sure about those people. There must be something wrong with them. Have you ever noticed that if someone's different than you, that, that it must mean that there's something wrong with them, right? That's like where we go to in our minds. And to, to initiate a relationship with somebody like that, for us to carry on a conversation with somebody like that, for us to welcome somebody like that, with all those labels we want to put on them, for, for, for us to welcome somebody like that to our dinner table or inside of our home or whatever, what might people think? You know what? Jesus didn't care what people thought. You know, he went to the well that day under a divine appointment knowing that that woman was going to be there. Everybody else, they avoided the well at that time of day at all costs because they didn't want to be there when she was there. But Jesus, he went there and he was waiting on her. And she showed up and he didn't get up and walk away. He stepped out and got down into the mess. If we're gonna have a heart for the harvest, we've gotta identify those people in our community. We gotta go to those new places, those, those areas that we've avoided all of our lives, and we've gotta, we've gotta pinpoint those people, and we've gotta step out into the mess with them. That's the only way we're going to be able to show them the love and the light and the life of Jesus Christ. See, here's the thing. We need to be around sinners and unbelievers without becoming like them. That's the rub. We, we need to have, have sinners and unbelievers in our midst. That should be a regular thing for us. But we can't be like them. We need to be around them. We need to be with them. But we can't become like them. And I know that like it's, it's hard. Like me, like I, my family are all believers and the people in my small group are believers and the people that like I find myself like hanging out with and spending time with, you know, my friends, like they're all believers. And, and if we're not careful, we can just get in our rut and it's comfortable and we just go through our life, our day to day and we're drawn to and we're attracted to and, and we choose to spend time with people who believe like us and think like us and act like us and look like us, but we're going to have to go out of our way. Jesus went out of his way to find this woman. There's nothing like him. He stepped into the middle of the mess with her. 
They have this conversation at the well, and it's, it's more than, than I have time to get into today. It's, it's for a totally different message in and of itself. But they have this conversation at the well, and they go back and forth, and, and this woman's life is, is radically changed, transformed right there as she's talking with Jesus. And, and she makes the statement, um, she goes back to her people, and she says, let me tell you about a man who told me everything that I ever did. He doesn't condone her actions. He calls her out on every single thing from her past, but he loves her and he welcomes her. And he doesn't doesn't allow that past to discount her ability to be embraced by him, to be welcomed by him. And so because of that, her life has changed. And so she runs into the city to tell everybody what has happened. If we're going to have a heart for the harvest, we've got to have a new place. We've got to go to a new people. And then picking up in verse 27, it says this, headed into key number three. Verse 27, just then his followers came back from town and were surprised to see him talking with a woman. But none of them asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to town. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Do you think he might be the Christ? So the people left the town and went to see Jesus. And meanwhile, his followers were begging him, teacher, eat something. But Jesus answered, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. So the followers asked themselves, did somebody already bring him food? And Jesus said, my food is to do what the one who sent me wants me to do and to finish his work. If we're going to have a heart for the harvest, not only do we need to go to a new place, not only do we need to find a new people, but we need to develop a new purpose. We need to develop a new purpose. The disciples were concerned with the physical need, particularly their own. Their own. While Jesus had been ministering to this woman, they had been in the town procuring food for themselves. And they have come and, 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 and they're concerned not only with feeding themselves, but they're concerned that, that Jesus gets something to eat as well. You need to eat, you need to eat, you need to eat. And isn't that like the mentality that we've taken on particularly within the American church? You know, the reason that we come to church in the first place, we'll say like, I, I just need to find a place where I can get fed, right? I just need to find a place where I can get fed. And we come in, and we sit down on the pew or in the seat or wherever it is, and we just open our mouth, and we're like, okay, pastor, unload it. And we just eat, and we eat, and we eat, and we eat, and we eat. And some of us are real fat Christians today because that's been our main concern. Like, I need to go to a place that, that feeds me. And you know what? A lot of the reason that people use whenever they leave a church, just wasn't getting fed anymore. Just wasn't getting fed anymore. Need to go to another place where I can get fed. I wasn't getting fed anymore. You know what? My son is 13 years old. He hasn't come to me and said, Dad, think about leaving the house. I'm going to go find another set of parents because you and Mom... You're just not feeding me anymore. No, there came a point in time where we let go of the fork 
and we put it in his hand, and then the responsibility became for him to feed himself. Y'all would think it was so weird if like after church today, if we went out to the restaurant and we set Luke down in the high chair and we put a big bib on him and everything, and I grabbed the fork and said, okay, son, here comes the airplane. And he opened his mouth and he's eating his macaroni and cheese and everything. Y'all be like, what are they doing? They're crazy. But yet that's the mindset that we have in the church today. We've made it all about us. And we come in and we sit down and we put our bib on and we open our mouth wide and we're like, okay, pastor, feed me, feed me, feed me. Guess what? It's not about us. There comes a point in time where we cross a threshold in our relationship with Jesus Christ that we no longer need to depend on someone else to feed us, that we need to start feeding ourselves so then we can go and feed other people. And Jesus was trying to get his disciples to realize that he had food they knew nothing about, that his food was not to meet a physical need inside of himself. His food was to do the will of his father and to meet the spiritual need outside of himself but the disciples were blind to it they were blind to it their only concern was that they got fed that Jesus do you have everything that you need and Jesus is trying to say look it's not about us don't you see there is a woman here at this well and she is an outcast among her own people and if we don't step into the mess with her She's going to be lost. Jesus was concerned with the spiritual need around him. Not just feeding himself. He said the will of the father. The will of the, of the father was to do what he was doing. What if instead of just coming into church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and seeing to it that we get fed, what if we shifted our focus, changed our purpose from instead of feeding me to looking outside the four walls and feeding them? It's okay. It can be really quiet in here this morning. That's fine. I'm preaching the truth. We're gonna have a heart for the harvest. We've gotta to go to a new place. We gotta find a new people. We've got to develop a new purpose. Number four, we've gotta gain a new perspective. We've gotta gain a new perspective. Verse 35, Jesus addressed his disciples and he said, you have a saying, four more months till the harvest. But I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields already for harvest now. Already the one who harvests is being paid and is gathering crops for eternal life. So the one who plants and the one who harvests celebrate at the same time. Here the saying is true, one person plants and another harvests. I sent you to harvest a crop that you did not work on. Others did the work and you get to finish up that work. Got to gain a new perspective. I was in a, in a conference in South Florida a couple months ago. There's a pastor there by the name of Matt Keller who um, is, a, is, is a voice in my life. 
somebody that I respect a great deal and uh, a voice of wisdom and, and an apostolic voice in, in, in my life and in my ministry. And in this particular um, uh, setting that we were in, this, this session that we were in, he, he made a statement that this isn't a direct quote, but it, it, it something along the lines of this, that one of the biggest problems with, with the church or with Christians in America today is that we, we don't believe that there's actually lost people around us. We don't believe that there's actually lost people around us. And, 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 and many would say, well, well, you know, that's not true. But, but here's what I do know to be true. We may say, we may recognize that on paper, at least, that there's lost people around us. But the reason it's not true is because it does nothing to change our behavior. All of us in this room, we, if we were asked, if, if I went one by one and asked you, do you believe there's lost people in our community? You would say, yes, of course there is course there are but the reason we don't really believe that's true is because we're doing nothing about it on the whole we're doing nothing about it if we truly believed that there were lost people around us it would change our behavior it would change the way that we live it would change the way that we interact with our neighbors and our friends and our co-workers and what Jesus is telling his disciples here at this point, he's saying, open your eyes. You have been gone all day in the middle of a community that is full of lost people. And the only thing that you're concerned about is whether or not you're gonna get a good meal and whether or not that I have something to eat as well. Would you look up and see that the fields are white with harvest? See, what's happened is, is, is because the disciples, they were so ingrained in their own little bubble and everything. This woman that Jesus had ministered to, she'd gone back into the town and she'd started to spread the word. She was doing their jobs for them. And so what's happened is, is on her work, Jesus could look down the road and he could see all of the townspeople coming their way. And he's trying to tell them, guys, you're missing it. You're so inward focused that you're missing it. The lost are out there. The harvest is ready. They rub shoulders with these people all day long. They exchange money with them and, and goods and services with them so that they can get the food that they needed. They interacted with these people, but yet they were completely and totally blind to the fact that they were immersed in a community. There was people that needed to hear the message of the gospel. We've got to get to the place where we open up our eyes and we realize that there are lost people among us. Jesus said that the one who plants and the one who harvests will celebrate at the same time. In other words, we cannot wait. We cannot afford to go through the process anymore before. The, the scientific process is that we put the seed in the ground and then we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait. And then eventually it comes time to harvest. And Jesus saying, no, the time is now. We cannot wait any longer. It's not someone else's responsibility. The time is now. And if we don't step in to do something about it, people are going to go to hell. It's up to us to have that heart for the harvest. 
and that we no longer just live for ourselves. We no longer just live to please ourselves. We no longer attend church just to feed ourselves, but that we shift our perspective and it becomes not about us, but it becomes about those who are in need, who don't know Jesus as Savior. The Samaritan woman had her life radically changed at the well that day. And she ran into the city. Let me tell you about a man who changed my life. Here's what happened. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans in the town believed in Jesus because of what the woman said. He told me everything I ever did. When the Samaritans came to Jesus, they begged him to stay with them. So he stayed there two more days. And many more believed because of the things that he said. They said to the woman, first, we believed in Jesus because of what you said, but now we believe because we heard him ourselves. We know that this man really is the savior of the world. When we develop a heart for the harvest, when we step into a new place, when we find a new people, when we start exercising a new purpose, when, when we gain a new perspective in our lives, what is going to happen is people will move from merely having heard about Jesus to having an encounter with him. And it will change their life forever. Here's something interesting. That term, savior of the world, the Samaritans, a godless unloved, overlooked, outcast of a people were the first per, was the first people group to ever identify Jesus that way. His very own people, the Jews, did not even recognize him as the savior of the world. But because Jesus had a divine appointment at the well that day and because he had a conversation with a woman that he had no business talking to because he stepped down into the mess with her because of that there was there was a people who who were pushed to the side and who were overlooked that now had been brought close to the father and they saw Jesus for who he really was the savior of the world Matthew chapter 9 Verses 37 and 38, Jesus tells his followers this. He said, there are many people to harvest, but only a few to help harvest them. Pray to the Lord who owns the harvest that he will send more workers to gather his harvest. Listen, we can dig all the holes we want. We can plant all the seeds we want. But if we stop there, the harvest will rot on the vine. It's time for you and I to open our eyes and see that right outside our door, there's a harvest waiting to be reaped. And it's up to you and to me to get out into the fields and reap it. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, give your people a heart for the harvest. 
us to new places within our community to claim new territory for your kingdom. Let us cross paths with new people who may not look, think, or act like us so that we can show them the love of Jesus Christ. Instill within each of us a new purpose to not simply live life for ourselves, concerned about our own needs, but to help meet the needs of those around us. Grant us a new perspective to see the world around us through a different lens. Give us the ability to see the harvest that's right in front of us. Friends, neighbors, coworkers, passersby. Let us not sit idly by, but instead step up and take action and extend the invitation for others to take a step toward Jesus with our words, our thoughts, our actions, in the way that we lead, in the way that we serve, in the way that we love other people. We thank you in advance for the harvest that is gonna be gathered in Nassau County and beyond. We praise your name today, in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. At Christwalk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. For more information about Christwalk, please visit us at thechristwalk.com.